Alright, it's Talking Reckless, your boy Reckless Ryan, and I have my homie Exile on the episode today. What up, Exile? What's up, Ryan? Oh, just chilling, chilling, chilling. It is Saturday night. We just got done with the motherfucking ice storm. You know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> when this episode goes up, it'll be like a couple of weeks from now. You know, I think we talked to uh, go up like the 14th or whatever. And uh, the ice storm be long past us. But how was the ice storm for you? Oh, uh, it wasn't too bad. It was uh, pre- pretty short lived. Had a lot of fun taking the kids outside and stuff, throwing snowballs and stuff at each other. But for the most part, it wasn't too bad. Oh yeah, that's the best. That's the best. That's what we kind of did too. We went out there and, uh, you know, I have the little ones. And so they kind of, they get their hands out in the ice and, you know, the, 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 the snow quote unquote, and, uh, we had the hands all freezing and shit. And they were like, ah, like freaking out. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. So I know how that is. <laughs> Hell yeah. Did y'all build a snowman? Um, we started to, but the, the snow wasn't like quite thick enough. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we got about halfway through the snowman and then uh, I pretty much just like grabbed all the snow and threw it at all my kids. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way. That's the best way. My, uh, my oldest, he grabbed, uh, well, my girl made some snowballs and he grabbed them from her and started chunking them at me. And I was like, Oh shit. We're going to do this. Right. So I grabbed one of these bad boys, a little truly. And I threw it out in the snow and got that ice cold action. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Uh, hell yeah man so you got this new track coming out february 10th it'll already be out by the time this episode comes up a nice challenge on afterlife records man tell me a little bit about this track honestly um i kind of just like came up with the the there's a little vocal like right down at the end of um right before the second drop hits and it says like, uh, you'll never beat me or I'm, you're no match for me. And it just kind of like that brought that brought like, you know, Hey man, like this is like a challenge type thing. So just to incorporate the idea with my branding, uh, going with the medieval look, um, I decided to go with, you know, night's challenge, but honestly, the way that the track was done is just about, it's just about like every other track that I do. Um, a lot of people ask me, you know, well, where did you get the idea for this song and things like that? Honestly, my process when it comes to it is I just I just sit down and I'll put a sample in or I'll create a, a like a synth or I don't know, a pattern or something and just kind of just kind of go from there. And it just kind of I just let the music kind of take over and do its thing. I feel you. I feel you. And this is a dubstep track, right? Or is it like rhythm or is like what kind of explain that? So it's um, mostly tear out. Okay. Just because that's kind of like, it's kind of what I stuck to. Um, I've got a few other things that I'm kind of trying to like, you know, branch out. But when it comes to a night's challenge, it's mostly tear out. Got some uh, heavy sustains. You might hear a couple, couple sounds from, other releases that aren't from afterlife or anything like that but it's just real real heavy uh got some war drums in it so that way it kind of has like that battle kind of like that battle feeling to it so um just real real heavy real tear out you know loud powerful um so 
Hell yeah. That's what's up, man. That's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Like I said, it'll be out by the time this episode comes out. So go check it out. Exile X I L E. All right. Go check it out. A night's challenge is with a K. Don't you be putting no N in there. Well, I mean, there's an N, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a night challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, dude, tell me like, um, tell me how you got into the production journey, man. Cause it, it is a journey, you know what I'm saying? So tell me about like, what made you start one to uh, like produce? So back in, holy cow. Um, I want to say like 2013, 2014, uh, I went to go see my very first uh, EDM show. I went and saw Borges at Lizard Lounge. May it rest in peace. Nice. Um, I went and saw him at Lizard Lounge and I just had a, I had a great time. And I was like, man, this is really cool. Um, you know, I've never experienced this kind of music like this because before all that, you know, I was like, yeah, music's kind of cool, but I don't see how people can listen to it 24-7, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, after that, I was like, man, this is crazy. And so two weeks later, I went back and saw Getter at Lizard Lounge right after he came out with his Rip and Dip EP. And when I experienced the Getter show, I was like, this, that's, that's what I want to do. And ever since then, I just kind of, I started dabbling on my phone. I was, did a couple house parties, mixing on my phone, downloaded FL Studio Mobile, um, wrote a couple, you know, little small BS tracks just to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, went through, went through a lot of struggles. Um, got the chance to work on uh, FL Studio in the DAW itself on a computer. And for a year, I just sat just playing with it, just trying to figure it out, things like that. And ever since then, I just I just started just kind of going. And my my love for music has always been a thing. Music has saved my life literally on multiple occasions. Um, so it's just it's something that I'm extremely passionate about and the way that you can create different sounds, different, uh, honestly, different emotions when it comes to um EDM, hip hop, whatever it is, just it's it's a way to be able to express your story, your feeling, and a way to connect with those who might feel the same way as you and give the chance to put a smile on somebody's face and just to honestly just keep the music alive and give people something to just feel to. So that's kind of how how I got into all of it is just going through struggles and wanting to be able to connect with people and just make them feel better. Oh yeah. That's what's up, man. That's a, that's a good uh, reason and a cause to get into it. You know what I'm saying? That's good. Right. Man. That's what's up. Um, so have you always, so you talking about FL mobile and everything you still use an FL. You, have you, is it always been FL on the YFL? Uh, <clears throat> so I started out with, the first real DAW I used on, or well, DAW that I used on a computer was uh, Studio One. Um, that was my uh, old friend of mine. He, that's what he was using. So we started using Studio One. Um, a lot of people kind of told me about Ableton and Logic, and I looked into some of those. And then um, I think we got a chance to do a free trial on FL. And once we, once I got into FL, I don't know, the, uh, the layout of it is very, 
simple, very, um, for self, self-taught people, very mm-hmm. easy to pick up, figure out, um, use everything that you need is, is right there. Um, and the biggest, the biggest plus side of using FL that I enjoy the most is it's free updates for life. Right. So I, I know using with Ableton, every time they come out with an update, it's like, oh, hey, it's another $150 or $110 for this update and things like that. And, uh, for me, FL, just being able to have those free updates, I was like, you know what, this is, this is actually very, very easy to like figure out. And I learned a lot of other high end producers such as odd profit, um, eliminate, uh, excision, just to name a, f- a few, they all use FL studio as well. And so just knowing that they use those things and can create the music that they make, I'm like, all right. So I've, I've got FL down. I know how to use it. I'm very familiar with it. And it's very easy to kind of use. So I just, I still use FL studio now and probably will till I'm either done or dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel that completely, man. I've been using FL 2011. So now I feel you completely, man. I, uh, I still use it, still rock with it. Uh, it's my, uh, Dodd choice. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, <laughs> Not going to change on that either. <laughs> right. No, it's it's fire, man. It's good. That's what's up, man. Uh, so tell me, like, how did you get into the like medieval stuff? Tell me about you know the exile persona, the brand, the mask. Tell me about all that. So I'm a big history buff, and you know history is like it's a big thing for me. I've always I've always thought medieval times. You know, the knights, the stories of bravery and heroism and, you know, um, dragons and things like that. It's just always been something that's really, really unique and really, really cool to me. And it's almost like a blast from the past type of thing. You know, you you start studying up on it and things like that. Um, it gets it gets pretty interesting. So I came up with um, with Exile. I had a previous persona i i went by skull crusher and it was like a sugar school themed type of persona and uh i wanted to kind of rebrand and come up with something new so i came up i thought of the mask thing because one of my favorite um artist duos is atelians and they they and all that stuff and i was like man that's really cool because when i get on stage um or anything like that i get nervous you know um, so he, it gives me a chance once you put the mask on and, and I take on the persona of exile, it gives me a chance to calm my nerves. Um, you know, if I'm like nervous or anything like that, the crowd's not going to see it on my face. Um, and it just gives me a chance to kind of open up freely and be able to just kind of vibe with the crowd, um, and things like that. And so exile came to be because I've, other than disciple as the label, as a whole, I haven't seen one, one DJ or one producer in the scene do anything medieval. Right. So I wanted to do something that kind of stands out, something that's like, okay, this is different. This is, this is something new, something we've never like, you know, seen or experienced before. And so eventually I want to do, um, I want to do a thing where, it's almost like every year I have an upgraded piece to my armor 
until I become like a knight mm-hmm. or something like that. So it was just a chance just to like, you know, kind of sum it up without rambling, just a chance to rebrand, um, put on a new face. And once I get on stage, it kind of lets me get the worries away and just, just have a blast with it. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So is like the medieval time frame kind of like your favorite time frame, like, or is that just the one that you like am intrigued with with the most of the history? Like, tell me, like, like why the medieval per, instead of like something else? Like, why not dress up like a nineteen twenties gangster? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel. Um, I don't know. I've I've always been drawn to the medieval kind of the medieval side. You know it it really the medieval side really kind of brings out you know how how truly dark um life and the world can be and a knight to me is somebody that through everything that the medieval people went through such as you know the black plague um and things like that you know wars and 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 such a knight to me is someone who is willing to kind of stand up and be that hero, somebody that, you know, resembles or kind of gives a symbol of like hope. Now I know a lot of, I know a lot of like knights and stuff back in those days didn't really fight for the right cause, but I mean, it's, it's most like, like any other military or anything like that, you know, they're just soldiers, someone who's given up their, their life, their chance to be who they are to kind of make a difference and make a change. And so when like the, the shiny armor or even, even the fact of different banners and colors and and things like that and symbols, um, it would, it's just always kind of drawn me in because I've always tried to be the type of person that helps people kind of like that quote unquote hero type of person. And so that's why the medieval, the medieval era to me is just something that's, I don't know. It's just always drawn me in. (laughs) Hell yeah. No, that's badass, man. That's what's up. There's a lot of like fascinating stuff and a lot of like the, uh, the art, like, uh, revolution or the enlightenment or whatever kind of came around that whole little era. And so it's, it's a cool little, uh, not segue kind of like a link. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think it's a really cool little link between what, art was back then and the revolution and then still to this day i mean movies are constantly being made about medieval time we have medieval right. times you know like a restaurant and then we, we then we have exile you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead repeat that oh i just said exactly no doubt no doubt <laughs> you're good yeah no it's so like the mic it kind of cuts off every time we'll talk over each other so i've been trying to like keep quiet whenever you talk so that way it'll like fully grab it <laughs> yeah. fucking technology love it <laughs> it is what it is so disciple man you brought them up is that kind of a goal like what are some dream slash goal labels that you would like to be on obviously you know we have afterlife and they're good and great and everything but disciple man like you name drop them for a reason it's the medieval thing but i think an exile and a disciple release would be like chef chef kills (laughs) yeah um that's actually one of my biggest goals um i've talked to I've talked to at least two artists that are with Disciple, uh, phase one being one of them. 
Um, he talked to me at Dance Festopia um, back in 2016, 2017. I got a chance to talk to him. Um, and then uh, the recently recently added Bainbridge. Um, I had a chance to talk with him. I kind of talked to him every, every once in a while, just sending some new stuff just to try to get some feedback and things like that. But Disciple to me is very, very um diverse mm-hmm. each artist each artist there has their own you know who's who but in the same either in the grand scheme of things they're all different it's mm-hmm. all and one of my favorite inspirations virtual riot just because of his musical genius is one of the reasons why i would like to you know, get to talk with them or do something with them because I've always wanted to like sit down with him and just pick his brain and right. just how he, how he does things. I mean, he's got a YouTube video where he made some crazy bass sounds with an exhaust from a Lamborghini, a Toyota Corolla, and then sounds from a skateboard. And like, they were just absolutely crazy, crazy sounds. And then eliminate as well. I watch his production tutorials all the time and the way that he can just take random, random packs of like random samples, random sounds, things like that, and just make them into absolute bangers. I'm like, dude, I want to like, I want to be able to sit down and kind of like pick them apart and just be like, yo, teach me something like, because what you guys do is just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And so that's, that's probably my biggest goal. Um, as a producer and of course you know there's things like you know i want to play at lost lands um stuff like that um but yeah the biggest the biggest thing is trying to do even if it's just like disciples like hey man it's a really good song we'd like to drop it on disciple i'd be like sick do it go for it please (laughs) begging. That's what's up, man. That's cool. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that, man. It's uh it's good to have big goals like that. Because it still means too, like um, I was just talking to somebody literally right before this started, and uh, someone that I went to high school with, and they messaged me just out of the blue. I haven't talked to this person since 2013, okay? And they messaged me, they're like, Hey, are you still DJing? And I was like, Yeah, I mean, all the time, not not necessarily out at clubs and stuff, but doing the podcast doing all types of little things got some guest mixes in the work all this little stuff so i was like yeah i'm djing all the time and uh, uh they were like oh well that's cool you know they hit me up to do something which i mean i'm not gonna do it I just, i'm a club dj and a festival dj that's it you know what i'm saying not a mobile <laughs> dj anymore and right. uh anyway i was talking to them and everything and they asked how i had been and everything and i was like man i'm good you know i'm like I said, I'm doing more stuff than ever with the DJ stuff. I have a career, I have a family, you know, this, that, and a third. And they're like, that's really cool. You know, it's cool. It's good to see other people our age still dreaming and still trying to achieve things. And that kind of hit me. I was like, damn, I was like, I mean, I don't know what they're going through. You know what I'm saying? But I, mean, I ain't never stopped dreaming. You know what I'm saying? My goals have changed, but I, mean, I, shit, I always have goals. You know what I'm right. saying? And so that's that's good that you have big goals like that, especially being a father, man, because I know being a fucking dad is tough. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. uh, going, working, doing a full-time job and uh, 
coming home and still having to be dad because I ain't I ain't know you know what I'm saying that's still a full time job right there and then you add in the DJing and the production then you add in you know being a partner or a spouse or whatever and I mean we work in five six damn say seven full time jobs at once and right. uh, a lot a lot of that doesn't get appreciated or not not appreciated doesn't get noticed that's the right word noticed and uh, man it's, it's just good to see that you got big goals man I, I appreciate that you know what I'm saying and I noticed that. getting a little drink break hold on (laughs) but man so tell me because i want to know what is your most difficult thing with producing for me it's sound design it's finding my own sound because i like to switch shit up all the time i'll make a tech house track i'll make a trance track then i'll go fuck around with some future bass like what is like what is your most difficult thing like with producing I would probably say the same thing is like finding my own sound. That's, that's been my biggest struggle, uh, lately. Um, a lot of the tracks that I use or well, a lot of the tracks that I make, um, they have samples in them. And I know there's a lot of DJs and a lot of producers that, that use samples. Virtual Riot said it best. You know, if you paid for the samples, then use them because that's that's what they make the sample packs for that's what they're there for is for you to use them so i mean i make you know in some of my songs i i'll go into either vital or serum and i'll get in there and i'll make a little melody or i'll make a little arp or i'll make a little pad or something like that just to kind of just just to kind of you know play with it and kind of figure it out but the biggest thing is sound design on the bass end of it a lot of the bass end stuff it just gets it gets me you know, it gives me a lot of trouble. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it just, it makes it really difficult, um, for me, but you know, the more and more you mess with it, the more and more you figure it out. So right. Perfect. Oh yeah. That's what's up, man. That's cool. Yeah. No, it sounds like I said for me as well. It's, uh, it's tough. I'm, I'm, I'm a sample fiend as well. I use samples a lot and, uh, I use presets and stuff, but you can always go in and manipulate them. So they end up becoming your own thing anyway. So it's like, right. It doesn't even matter, man. People that bitch about samples and shit, like, are they making their own fucking drums? Are they are they skinning the sheep? You know what I'm making to make their own yeah. drums and shit? It's like, shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> people just bitch, bro. People get mad. People are so mad that people can do things that they can't or can find easier way to do to do things than they can. And so they just like out of frustration and out of just immaturity will sit there and just be like oh well, that doesn't count it's like bitch it's the same fucking thing get the right. shut the fuck down right like, you can't tell me right that if someone did a fucking paint by the number picture like they painted it and shit and it looks better than someone who sits there and fucking paint some other little bullshit that that picture doesn't look better just because they painted it by the number no they were smart enough to know their limitations you know what i'm saying <laughs> and to use shit to their advantage exactly <laughs> Yeah, people are just dumb, dude. Like, like the whole fucking sync button dilemma that's been going on for fifteen fucking years in the DJ world. I don't. It's like, dude, show, who the fuck cares? I can, I guarantee you, no big DJ cares. I guarantee you the people on the fucking dance floor don't give a single fuck. It's these local no name motherfuckers who are bitter and jealous that they ain't never gonna be nobody and they ain't nobody. That's only yep. people who give a fuck, dude. And like with the production shit, dude, fucking keep killing it, bro. Like. 
That's all I got to say. Keep killing it, man. I'm, I like to go on tangents on here, man. It's talking reckless, so I'll be talking that shit. <laughs> but hell yeah, man. Let's switch it up a little bit, man. Let's get off the music shit and kind of get into a little bit more personal stuff, man. Tell me about being a dad and how that's uh, affected the, the, the music life and then how the family life, like, does it make it difficult to do gigs? Does it make it easier to do gigs? Like, tell me about this. Um... Honestly, being a dad, you know, it's always a work in progress. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot you have to kind of set aside and remember that, you know, the music isn't, doesn't take top priority in your life. And that's one of the, one of the things that I struggle with, you know, um, is remembering like, Hey, like music's going to be around forever but your kids aren't. So being a yeah. dad is number one has to, it has to be number one in your life. Um, it with gigs and stuff. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't make it too difficult. We have, um, my, my mother-in-law usually comes and picks up the kids. They're willing to watch them. Uh, you know, whenever, if I have something that comes up, um, and then, you know, my parents and things like that. So it, it kind of, it, it helps out a lot. And I'm very grateful for the fact that, you know, they're willing to, they're willing to do that whenever it's necessary. Well, not really necessary, but when it's, when it's asked of, you know, they, they do that. And I appreciate that like 100%. Um, so, but I mean, you know, being a dad is probably my favorite thing. No matter how frustrated I get, no matter how much of an asshole I can be, um, it's still my favorite thing in the world. Um, my kids, you know, I've got one of my my last release fall. Every time I play it, my kids, if you know, if we're in the car or if I'm like practicing at the house, my kids will sing it. And so they're like, like, oh, man, I like I love this song. And so it just it <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, that's like that's really cool. Um, and my kids are probably my biggest fans because they're my oldest son, Travis. He always comes and kind of hangs out by the computer. If I'm writing or something, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm like putting this in here. And he's like, well, how do you do that? And then I'm able to like show him, show him some stuff. Um, so he kind of like gets a little bit of an interest. We've got the other night I was, <laughs> the other night I was practicing uh, mixing and stuff like that. And my, I'll, when I practice at home, I'm, it's almost like I'm on stage. And so I'll be like, you know, throwing my hands up, all this stuff. Going with <laughs> my youngest son, he, um, he does, he follows me. So if it's like a buildup and I'm like, I'm like waving my hand to the buildup or whatnot, he'll like, he'll do the same thing. And then he'll, whenever it drops, he'll just, he'll start headbanging until he like falls over. And so it's, it's, <laughs> um, so it, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it harder in all honesty, being a dad to me, it gives me more drive because, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to the music, first and foremost, like, I love it. I mean, that's, that's a given, but knowing what comes with it when it comes to, you know, finances and things like that, that gives me a chance to you know, make money without having to work my fingers to the bone at a nine to five job until the day that I die. It gives me a chance to 
be able to send my kids to any college they want, you know, and go to school, get a good education. You know, just tell me where you want to go. Well, I want to go here and I want to do this. All right, let's figure it out, put a game plan together and let's make it happen. Um, and it just, it, it gives me a chance to be able to give my family the life that they deserve. Not that, not that I deserve, but that they deserve because I've done plenty of stuff in my life that I don't even deserve half the stuff that I have now. I don't even deserve, you know, the wife and the kids that I have, but I have it and I'm grateful. So my, my ultimate goal with all this is to be able to give back to them and give them what they deserve, not just what they need. So it, it's more of a drive for me than it is to make anything difficult when it comes to the music. Yeah, no, I feel that completely, man. That's uh that's a perfect way to put it. Um, that's what's up, man. Shout out to the mother-in-law for babysitting. That's a big thing. Uh, my wife has to stay at home constantly to babysit. So uh, she misses out on a whole lot. And then I miss out on a bunch, uh, especially this past year with all the gigs that I had played this past year. And that's a big reason I fucking took. I was like, dude, I am not playing anywhere near this fucking amount this next year. Um, man, I ended up playing like 40 something gigs, uh, last year. Yeah. It was like, I think when I counted up, it was 42 or 43. I can't remember. And then, uh, uh, some of them I don't count because you know, your boy got blacked out. So (laughs) that's something, something (laughs) I'm working on too. (laughs) So, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 like the kid thing is like you said, exactly. It's a, uh, to the, to the right people. It is a driving force uh, for certain people. It's a burden. I can tell for, for you and me, man, it's, it's driving forces. It makes us have that extra little chip on our shoulder that, Hey, you're going to these promoters. You're going to be doing the right thing. You're going to be fucking paying me. You're going to be making sure that my shit is good because I'm not wasting my fucking time away from these fucking kids and my fucking family for nothing. You know what right. I'm saying? And we're going to make sure that we take gigs that make fucking sense. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be doing the things to, um elevate our career not uh fucking detour it so no that's cool man that's that's why i really wanted to bring it up and kind of focus uh, a little good chunk of this episode on it because man i mean i i know that you're a good dad you know what i'm saying I, i've seen the kids around you and i've seen the kids around Celine. i know you're all good parents and it's uh in this scene man i see a lot of bad parents and uh it, it's something i really wanted to pinpoint is a good parent talking about what they do as well, because there's not a whole lot of uh, not, not even necessarily just good or bad parents. Not just a whole lot of parents in this scene still that are still DJing and still actively doing things. Yep. So it's really cool. And that's something that I think um, really needs to be spotlighted, man. Cause like I said, people who don't have kids, they don't get it. They don't get the extra stuff that we have to do. They don't get, like you said, music's not the priority. It's taking care of the family, making sure all the bills are paid, the lights are turned on always, and the food is in the pantry is always stocked. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, man, no, it's really cool, man. Uh, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, man, tell me, like, uh, tell me some hobbies you into, man. Um, I like to play basketball. I haven't played in a hot minute, but basketball is one of my basketball is one of my favorites. Um, Basketball, I mean, you know, video games, video games are, you know, being a guy that's like number one, (laughs) but other than that, I I don't really have, I'd say the only other hobby would be like running around the house and 
shooting shooting nerf at my kids and them like you know have big big up big ass uh, nerf war so other than that the only hobbies that i really have are just playing basketball or video games or messing with music so hell yeah man tell me about video games what type of uh, games are you into so i mostly play uh warzone i like rebirth rebirth is one of my favorites because you know something stupid happens you're like oh dude what the fuck get out of here like you know <laughs> great. um plus it also gives me a chance because my my dad uh and my older sister they play as well so whenever we have the the free time at the same time we all kind of get on together and and gives us a chance to kind of kind of play and bullshit with each other and things like that um but i'll play warzone uh me and my wife will play mortal Kombat, but i get my ass every time <laughs> uh, so we do that uh forza any racing game honestly just because i love cars so forza need for speed um and then assassin's creed i love assassin's creed i've played just about all of them. not every single one of them but just about all of them i've played assassin's creed because it's kind of the same kind of the same thing all the way back to like the history stuff so each game goes through different time periods so you got assassin's creed valhalla which is the the viking age and you have the original assassin's creed which is uh in you know the middle east mm-hmm. um and you you know the victorian age you have the industrial era um then you have during the revolutionary war so it just goes through and kind of i don't know it's just really cool to me because it's different like time periods it, it kind of gives me a feeling to when i when i play games i kind of put myself in in the game itself when it comes to story games and things like that so like assassin's creed i think myself is the actual character so it's almost like almost like I could step back into time and you know, if I get zoned in or anything like that, or if I get sucked into the game, it's, it's truly a very, very fun experience for me. Hell yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I suck ass at the racing games. I ain't going front. I cannot play the motherfucking racing games. The only ones I was ever good at was burnout. Cause you could crash into cars and shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But, uh, now nah, the Assassin's Creed was dope. I, uh, I had played in, beat i want to say assassin's creed three that's the one where you're the native american dude yes uh, yeah, yeah 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 that's the one man yeah that one is lit that one is some cool shit yeah dude that was that was definitely a lot of fun for me i i really enjoyed that one i haven't finished valhalla yet but because i really like the viking age as well mm-hmm. but i probably have to say game wise assassins assassins creed 3 was probably my favorite story wise it would have to be the Ezio saga that has to be the best story out of all of them so oh yeah that's what's up man there's a game um i need to figure out uh, i need to figure out the name of it and uh i'll shoot you over like a link on youtube or something you can just watch the gameplay it's an older game like xbox 360 or something okay and it's a game where you go back in time and with you being a history buff i think you're gonna fuck with this game mm. so the, like one of the levels that i remember like 
I don't hardly remember this game, but I remember the premise and I remember one of the levels. One of the levels is you go back to the Civil War and like Colonel Mustard's last stand or some shit like that, where you have to like, instead of him dying, you have to like save him or some shit. And so you go back in time and you're sitting there shooting people and shit, you know, with a little fucking musket, you know what I'm saying? You got to fucking, then you have to fucking reload and it takes 25 minutes to reload and shit. And so uh at one point they drop you a machine gun i mean this is 1860s or whatever so you're sitting there with a machine gun just bowing down people in the civil war and shit (laughs) yeah the whole uh the whole game is about going back in time and like changing historic events it's fucking crazy i have to figure out the name and send it to you because it's it's uh it's pretty cool it's pretty lit that's awesome yeah it's pretty wild i'll send it to you um Man, so tell me, what what would you say is the biggest gig that you've done to date, mm. or most memorable? Maybe not the biggest, but what which one? Like, if I say, "Hey, tell me about a gig," like what pops up in your mind first? Hmm. Honestly, so it was an event that ice cream had put on and Nick, uh, Nicholas from vanilla gorillas hit me up about it. And, uh, it was a, uh, locals only kind of like DJ battle weekly thing. Um, that, that whole, that whole series of events was probably, my favorite because it gave me a chance to kind of see other talent, uh, gave me a chance to like put myself out there in front of other promoters. Um, I know I had one week I had one week where, and it's the only show that or the only like set that I've done. I only had 30 minutes and it's the only set that I've, I've completed. And when I walked off stage, I, I had absolutely nothing to say about my set. Cause you know, being a DJ, you always critique yourself. Oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, I could have done this. I could have done that. I should have done this. You know, this suck, blah, blah, blah. But when I walked off stage, I was like, I legit can't say anything about that set like that. That was a lot of fun. Um, but probably the most memorable one had to be when it was the semifinals and uh, I went up against tension and me and tension um, we were kind of just, we were just like doing our thing. And after we were done, we waited around for probably, probably like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. And, uh, they were trying to get the last judge card and me, they told us that me and tension were tied. Mm. And I, I was like, okay, this is absolutely like, this is this is crazy. Excuse me. This is bananas because like, dude, this is tension. Like, dude, he's played at Ubi Doobie. He's been doing this for a lot longer than I have. Um, so we, we were waiting and waiting, waiting. And that hour came by and they showed us the final like judge card. And I beat tension by three points. And I was like, that is crazy. Um, but it was, it was a good experience for me and probably most memorable because I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It gave me a chance to kind of connect with tension, kind of, you know, 
just get to know each other um, and things like that, you know, kind of talk shit to each other, this, that, and the other. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun because it was, it was, there was a lot of tension build up leading up to the final judge card. Um, so I would probably say that would have to be the most memorable was the semifinals of the locals only. Hell yeah. That's badass, man. That's what's up. I never got a chance to, uh, check those out. I got hit up. I got hit up to be on one and I, uh, I turned the spot down just cause I felt like I'd, I'd rather have someone who hasn't really gotten a chance to play than me who was doing all these fucking gigs. I didn't feel right. You know what I'm saying? And right. so I wanted, I literally told the person I was like, Hey, Thanks for hitting me up. Um, I appreciate it, but hit up one of these people instead. And they actually ended up hitting up one of the people and they got booked. And so that was really dope, but I never ended up making it out to one of those. So tell me about how that event kind of went. Um, it was really cool. Uh, very, I think, I think they were on Mondays. They were on Mondays. Mm-hmm. So there weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of crowds each week. But being able to go in and just kind of talk to other other DJs or other producers in the DFW area, um, it you just kind of you kind of showed up and played your slot. But they had guest people coming in from um, from like San Antonio. Um, I think they had a couple people come in from Oklahoma. Um, but it was, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of fun. Cause it, it gives you, it gave you a chance to kind of meet other producers in the area and give you a chance to kind of, I guess, compare notes, quote unquote, and just kind of see where everybody else is. And like, you know, you start to realize, Oh, Hey, I'm not the only nervous person like in the area, you know, you start to <laughs> over overcrowd your mind and you're like, Oh man, what if I'm like, well, if I'm like worse than all these other guys, what if I'm terrible and this, that, and the other, then you go talk to somebody and they're like, Hey man, I'm like, I'm like hella nervous. And I'm like, why? Like people know you more than, more than me. Like, right. And, and they're like, dude, I get nervous all the time. And I'm like, okay, well that kind of makes me feel a little bit better because this person's more known and, and they're still getting nervous. So, um, I think the day it stops is the day you might want to start looking for a new career. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To be real honest. That's the way I look at it. You know, if, if I get butterflies, it's like, it's like when I played basketball in high school, anytime you get pregame jitters, like, you know, that's, you know, you're doing the right thing because it's something that you love and it's something that you have fun doing. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't, you, it's not that you're like trying to prove anything, but if you don't get nervous about it, or if you're just like, ah, yeah, I'm just going to go up there and play. Like it's whatever. Then yeah, I agree. You should, you should probably start looking for another looking for something else yeah man that's a big part of the reason why um opening sets man give me the most jitters like i really would like when i play like the one to two slides or like even the 12 to one or the 12 to two depending on the company and shit those i don't get as nervous for those i still get nervous but i don't get as nervous for those because i already know like hey this is what they want to hear like i already have a whole little routine that it's ready for it and shit but the mm-hmm. opening man that's that's where you need to show out but not over show out. You know what I'm saying? Like the opening, especially in my world, man, I'm a, I got the old school vibe, like the old school mindset. The opening is to set the night for everyone else. In my opinion, Yeah, everyone has their own opinion on it. I don't think there's a right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I go about the thing. I think you can still show out while still 
not going too crazy on opening. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And so that's like opening for me is the biggest challenge, man. It's a big reason why I still take opening gigs. Like, not to be like arrogant, or whatever. I'm fucking, I'm past the opening shit, but I'll still take certain opening gigs for certain companies just because, A, just to be on the slot. Sometimes I really like the headliner. I'm like, fuck it, I'll just be on this lineup. I don't give two fucks. B, I like to be challenged, man, and I like to be able to be random. When you play a 12 to 1 or a 1 to 2 slot, a lot of the times you're expected to play a certain sound because everyone's drunk. The crowd is still, I mean, that's you got the most lit crowd at 12 to 1 or 1 to 2. Everyone's drunk off their ass. They've already been fucking jamming all night. They're like, ah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? 9 yeah. to 10 or even 10 to 11. 10 to 11 is like the perfect time slot, in my opinion. But 9 to 10 is the time slot where anyone who's there is there because they have to work or they're there because they want to support the scene. And so you need to give them a reason to support the scene. And right. so that, in my opinion, is just where you got to get, you got to get a little freaky with it. You got to get a little vibe. You got to get a little, a little experimental. And yeah. so a, b- a big thing that I've been trying to do is uh, just play a bunch of shit that I would never play. You know what I'm saying? I do a bunch of like this, like European techno and like indie dance electronica type stuff now on uh, opening sets that, I mean, Reckless Ryan sets ain't necessarily known for that. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's uh, that's a big thing, too. Like, for, for you, with a lot of your stuff being heavier, is there an ideal time slot that you want? Or do you kind of change it based on the vibe? Because I know you'll mix house and shit, too. Yeah, it really just depends. My, I would probably say my my favorite spot would have to be the headliner <laughs> yeah yeah it's always a fan favorite um i would probably fall <laughs> to one i'd probably say direct supports a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, because you know you got you have the crowd the crowd is like if it's not already lit it's at the tipping the tipping point of being lit at that time plus you have a headliner coming up after you so you know the headliner is going to be there so it gives you a chance to kind of show out for somebody who's bigger than you. So that way they're like, yo, it's either going to be one or two ways, which in my opinion is good either way. They're either going to be like, yo, dude, like, um, do you like when I come back, I want to I want to have this guy. I want to have him like direct support for me again. Or it's going to be the other way where they're going to be like, yo, dude, that guy was like, he had a fucking fire ass set tonight. Do not ever fucking put him in front of me again. Like, <laughs> in, in my opinion, either way is really good. But um, if I take, if I do like an opening slot, you know, I try not to go as hard and heavy. Um, I know DFW is a big like bass scene, but not everybody wants to hear dubstep from nine to two because by the time, 11 or 12 shows up then like everybody's kind of they kind of get wore out from it because it's okay they start hearing the same songs over and over fuck and, yeah i'll tell you reckless ryan doesn't want that bullshit the fuck out of yeah. here so <laughs> uh i do a uh i do kind of like a side a side thing so i play downtown or well nobody calls it downtown up here in Denton, but i play on fry street every friday night mm-hmm. uh i got i randomly my wife randomly, like she saw somebody post about it on Facebook. I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll go over there. They need open format DJ. So I go over there and I'll play 
you know, I'll play a lot of like hip hop. I'll play some like I'll play some throwbacks, um, you know, back to like early 2000s, some like 90s stuff, things like that. And then I'll like kind of mix in some house as the night goes on. Usually about the last hour, I'll, I'll throw in some like dubstep for about 30 minutes. So it really just depends on the time slot you get. But like, I agree with what you say when it comes to the opening time slot, you're setting the tone for the night. Yep. So if you get everybody in a good vibe, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I want everybody to like fucking headbang because like, I'm going to tell you this right now, you do an opening slot, you're going to walk off the stage hugely, hugely disappointed mm-hmm. because you're going to be sitting there complaining, man, there's like nobody ever here and, and nobody was going hard and blah, blah, blah. And the only reason I say that is because I've done that before. And so you kind of learn that like, okay, nobody wants to hear that shit when they first walk in because they're like, right. okay, we're going to hear this later. So if you set the tone with like, you know, start out at like a 116 BPM or something like that, just something vibey, summer house, deep house, tropical house, you know, whatever. And then just kind of like throw in some hip hop, some throwbacks or whatever, and just set the tone. Then everybody's like, man, this DJ got me like, he got me grooving. Like, dude, this guy's awesome. Yep. And that you'll have a lot more interaction and stuff from it. So I agree with what you say when it comes to the time slot, you just have to like, you have to play according to your time slot and think if I was in the crowd, what do I want to listen to at this time? Yeah, that's exactly, um, that's exactly good point, man. That's uh, a big thing that I did on my last, um, opening set was I threw in maybe three kind of top 40, but like nineties, early two thousands that everybody knows, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I would just sprinkle them in there, you know, like salt Bay, I'm a little reckless Bay with the nineties throwbacks. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> People loved it, man, because they'd be vibing. They're like, ah, you know, hey, welcome to the club. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then be like, oh, hey, hold up. I know this. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And then they get into it, and they're like, okay, you have them for a song or two after that. And then normally they'll go get a drink, which is always good because you always want to make the bar money. Opening yep. DJ equals make the fucking bar money. Exactly. It's, yeah, man. So it's, uh, you know, then you throw in another little top 90, whatever bullshit in there. And then they're like, eh, eh, you know what I'm saying? Nah, dude, like that's, it's, it's the shit's an art and the people who can't figure out how to just not be a headliner 24 seven are the ones that are going to have a hard time, uh, staying in this shit because mm-hmm. at some point, once you get to a bigger level, man, I, how are you going to compete with, you know, sudden death or fucking excision and shit like that when they have all this crazy fucking light show and all this wild shit? You're not the headliner anymore. So yeah, exactly. if, yeah, if you don't have your own sound, if you don't know how to play to a crowd, if you don't know how to do this shit, you're going to get left behind at some point. You know what I'm saying? So no, hell yeah, bro. That's what's up, man. So let's circle back all the way back to the front. A night's challenge coming out. February 10th. It's already out by the time you hear this episode. Check it out. Afterlife Records is exile. Uh, man, so any uh, signing off thing? We'll go ahead and wrap this up right here. Tell me uh, any signing off things you want to talk about. Um, honestly, you know, just keep it not to be like cliche or nothing, but like, you know, keep it real. Stay true to yourself. Um, I've got a few... I have, I have a few collabs in the works um, that I won't drop any names yet, but I got a few collabs in the works um, that I'm working on. Um, 
you know, the biggest, uh, I would probably say my, like my artist quote or whatever is just to kind of, you know, throw some like inspiration or like whatever you want to call it out there is, you know, life's not, life's not meant to make you or break you. It's meant to mold you and shape you into the person that you're truly meant to be. So no matter what happens, just kind of keep going. And, you know, as a producer, as a DJ, if you're listening to this, don't quit. You know, if it's what you love to do, don't quit because guess what? Life sucks. Shit happens. And what what are you going to do? Are you going to let it win and quit? Or are you going to like say, fuck it and keep going? So, um, but no, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on here. You know, it's my first podcast. So I'm like low key kind of excited about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, Night's Challenge coming out. February 10th, if you get a chance, go check it out. Check out Fall. Um, fall is probably pretty popular right now. Um, so, and I hope to have hope to have these collabs out and done. I'll probably start dropping some names here pretty soon. Um, and just kind of be on the lookout for it. So, and let's have a good 2022. Hell yeah. To reiterate that, I want to use the words of Nas. Life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high, because you don't know when you're going to go. Hey, you know what I'm saying? You already fucking know. Tell me about these gigs you got coming up, because I know you just announced one, then we'll sign off. Um, so I've got one. Um, I've got one February 26th. I'm doing a back-to-back with um, doing a back-to-back with Gramps uh, for the Ominous and Friends show. Um, as of right now, um, that's the biggest one that I have coming up. Um, and then I think I have one March 11th up here in Denton for a Denton direct Denton directive dance. I believe it's what it, or Denton dance directive. That's who it is. My bad. Um, I've got one up here in Denton March 11th. Um, so as of right now, that's pretty much all I got coming up. Um, and I'm kind of like talking to some other people right now trying to get some things confirmed about some other stuff so that's pretty much we got we got hell yeah that's what's up man so everybody give him a follow on all the socials it is uh what exile official uh on instagram it's official exile um twitter i believe is under or exile underscore official and then but if you go on my if you go on my instagram official exile um, my link tree is in my bio and it has all the connections to all my socials, uh, SoundCloud. And I believe my Spotify is also located in there as well. There we go. So go give them a follow on whatever social you use you prefer all of them. Fuck it. Right. And then right. go check out a night's challenge. February 10th. It's already out. It's already on your motherfucking Spotify. Go check it out. It's Afterlife Records. It's motherfucking Exile. Go get that tear out shit. You know what I'm saying? I fucking I challenge you to a duel, Exile. Fuck you. No, I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Until next time. This was Talking Reckless. I am Reckless Ryan. That was Exile. Go stream a night's challenge. Let's get the fuck out of here. Adios.